public-private partnerships, how much info is out there about you, amazing technology that needs discussion, and your debt just passed $25 trillion. Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Happy Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever day you listen to. I hope you're having a wonderful and blessed day. And most importantly, I hope you're staying home and staying safe. Yes, this, of course, is your favorite Irish guy going to talk to you during your coronavirus-induced quarantine because we got to stay home and stay safe. That's what I keep hearing. Stay home, stay safe. And I have a jam-packed show for you today, but I'm going to just say one thing about coronavirus. There's an old saying, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You guys fooled me the first time. I was very, I wasn't sure about how things were going to work out. And a lot of people gave me a lot of heat for going, I thought you were a big defender of liberty, but when coronavirus came, you were, you kind of hedged your bets because I didn't understand the medical aspects. I took their word for it. You will not fool me a second time. This second wave bullcrap that's starting to go around, you won't fool me a second time. We have to talk about liberty. But today I don't want to talk to you about coronavirus. I want to show you a curveball. But I want to give you what I'm about to tell you today. I don't want you to fear. I don't want you to be scared. I want you to understand what is going to happen. And some of the things that are already happening. But understand this. Everything I'm going to talk to you about today. In large part, you can adapt your own behavior. Because I want to talk to you about what the world looks like post-coronavirus. But I want to do it by talking to you about technology. And now I know a lot of people who might go, oh no, I don't want to talk about technology. I need to, I need to zone out. Please do not zone out. I need you to pay attention to me for the next 35, 40 minutes. I beg you. Because this is absolutely critical that you understand. You know, there's an old saying, Ronald Reagan made this famous, that the most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Now, I find those words equally troubling, regardless of whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, a Libertarian. If it's in government involved, I I find those words terrifying. But I think in 2020, it's absolutely critical we amend that statement. Because I found another phrase that should equally terrify you. And it should terrify you because of what is happening right now. What is that word? What is that phrase? Public-private partnerships. There's an event that went on last year, and it happens pretty much every year, I believe. It's event 201. People like Glenn Beck have done a great job exposing this. 
and like sharing what is actually in event 201. But basically, they talk about pandemics. They talk about, you know, freaking nature events. And they have this phrase called public-private partnerships. And one of the things, let me give you an example, is in this event, which they didn't know what was happening in China. They didn't know what was going on. But they talked about a pandemic. And they said, you know, one of the things YouTube came out with says, if you disagree with the World Health Organization, we're just shutting your video down. If you go against the grain, too bad. You've been silenced. One of the things I want to talk to you about is what... Let me ask you this question for you to think about. Is the individual sovereign? Is the individual a unique person? Is the individual someone that is held responsible and accountable and that has their own being and their own identity no matter what happens? Or is there a limit to that? Is there a point in time where the individual's rights, whatever those rights you think are, that they stop? One of the great things, and I know I don't do a good enough job about this, and I'm, I'm, I'm really trying my best to change the argument, to change how I present this, to make the case to you guys each and every week. Because I, I get this point where when I engage with you, some of you are actually sick of me saying America is exceptional. Because Americans, oh yeah, we're exceptional, yeah, whatever. You need to understand why. You need to understand. And when I say exceptional, it doesn't have to mean a better, you know, it doesn't have to be exceptionally better. I would make the argument that you are, but it doesn't have to be exceptional in the case of America is better than every country. It's just your difference. You're set up to a different set of principles. You're not based on the principles of man's law. You're based on the principles of nature's law and nature's God. And in your founding documents, which are absolutely critical, and I would dare say that there has never been a point in time when your founding principles have been needed more than right here, right now. Because I want to talk to you about some of those rights that your founding fathers spoke about. I want to talk to you about your rights. Because what is happening is those rights have been eroded. And everyone right now, and for the next six months, I can guarantee you, everyone's going to want to talk about Donald Trump. Everyone's going to want to talk about Joe Biden. And everyone, if he wins, wants to talk about Justin Amash. I don't care. I'm never Trump. I'm always Trump. I'm never Biden. I'm always Biden. I'm never Amash. I'm always Amash. Whatever, whatever the criteria is, whatever label you want to put on me, I don't care. I don't care about your politics. You guys vote how you want. Vote your conscience. Whatever reason that's for, good for you. But what needs to happen is we need to start having discussions. Yes, have discussions about Donald Trump and, you know, two-party system or lesser of two evils or Supreme Court or the economy. Go for it. Have those conversations. I encourage it. But we also need to have a conversation that is rooted in principle, that is rooted in something deeper than election politics. And especially if, and I say this to my friends, because I know a lot of people who listen are Donald Trump fans. You guys are the most needed in this conversation. Because let's say you get your wish that Donald Trump wins in November. Guess what? He's done in four years. And there's a chance in two he's a lame duck president. It happens every president. That's not me slamming Donald Trump. That happened to Barack Obama. It happened to George Bush. It happened to Bill Clinton. 
And it will happen to Donald Trump, or it could happen if elections don't go the way they want. And even if you do have the House and the Senate, are you all of a sudden telling me you hand on your heart can say, oh, well, you know, he won't be a lame duck president, the GOP have it. You really think the GOP, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy are so awesome? You really think that's going to happen? That's your politics. But what I want to talk to you about today is about technology and about private. The Fourth Amendment is crystal clear. I want to talk to you about it, but I don't want to talk to you about it from D.C. I want to talk to you about it from your point of view. Do you have a right to be secure in your persons and your papers? Do you have a right to privacy? Do you value that right? Because I know a lot of people go, well, you know, John, I got nothing to hide, so what difference does it make? Okay, let me give you just a simple thing. Because everyone always, the problem that we have in the world right now is everyone always thinks about malice. Right? Now I'm going to excuse my foul language here for a minute. I'm Maybe put the kids away just for a small second. I actually might find this funny. You have an iPad, right? Or you have an iPhone. Or you have a phone of some description, Samsung, whatever you have. And let's say for kicks and giggles, whether you do this once or on a regular basis, I'll be honest, I'm guilty of doing this every time. I Because I have so little time in my life. I go to the toilet and I bring my iPad. Why? Because I read. Because I have so much stuff going on in my life. Ten minutes of just reading by myself that's uninterrupted, I do it. Sometimes I read scripture, sometimes I'm reading a book, sometimes I'm reading what's going on in the world, right? You always think malice. Well, John, I got nothing to hide. What difference does it make? You know, if you've got nothing to hide, what difference does it make? Okay, well, let's say someone just wanted to cause you a lot of embarrassment and you brought your phone into the toilet. And I'm guessing most people, we're all educated people and adults here, we can say, you know, you make noises. <clears throat> you can fill in the blank of what those noises are. Maybe it's just that, you know, the 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 the, 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 the lump of thing hitting the water and going, or making maybe making other noises. Maybe you go to the toilet a certain way. You just think about yourself going to the toilet, right? I know this is a great visualization of what you wanted, right? Going number two in the toilet. Now imagine that audio been released to everyone you know. Would you enjoy that? Would you enjoy that? Would you be mortified? Would you be able to look your coworker in the face? Hey, uh, I heard you go to the toilet. And you got to look your coworker in the face? You got to look your parents in the face? You got to look your friends in the face? Now, I know some friends would be like, dude, seriously? Yeah, uh-huh, that's me. And you can have a laugh off. But, you know, would you be mortified? Would you be embarrassed? Or would the majority of people? So when we always talk about, you know, you've got nothing to hide, it doesn't always mean that, you know, you have a right to privacy, that you're doing something wrong. It could just be really embarrassing. Let me give you another example. And I'm guilty of this, especially now that I'm an asthmatic and, you know, with everything going on in my life. Let's say you're really tired, like I am, really tired some nights because I'm back in work. Imagine you had a recording of me sleeping at night and I snored. Again, it's only a small thing. We automatically think, well, you know, if you've got nothing to hide, what's the problem? Yeah, I don't want my private life being in fruit, you know, just laid out on Facebook or laid out on the internet. I'm a very private person in many ways. Would you like that? 
What happens, you know, if you make, again, make those certain noises during the night? I'm making fun examples, but one of the things that always frustrated me with that argument is, you know, when you have a right to privacy, well, why are you, you've got nothing to, if you're doing nothing wrong, you've got nothing to hide. No, I've got a right to privacy. I've got a right, a God-given right to be secure in my persons, my papers, and my belongings. I have a right to privacy. Now, what actions are we doing right now that we're not even discussing, that we're not even acknowledging? We just go for convenience. Because one of the things that you, your founders talked about, they didn't talk about it in terms of technology. But people who want to be convenient just want, you know, click of the switch. We have to understand that comes at a cost. Now, some people will be willing to cut that, you know, pay that price, no matter what that price is. But we at least need to start having that discussion. We at least have to have that discussion of going on. You know what this, you know, that click of the switch, that convenience you have. I know it's wonderful. But here's the thing. Are you willing to understand the price you're paying? If you want to pay it, cool. But do you know what the price of admission is? And that's what I want to talk to you about for the next 15 to 20 minutes about everything that is happening right now in the world and the information that is out there about you that you need to know about. So I'm going to give you a rundown of all the things I've seen that I see that is really troubling. And the reason I'm doing this right now is because coronavirus is very apt in your mindset. I've been working on this for a couple of months, writing down this list of things, of information that is out there about you that you may or may not know. What you've seen around the world with this coronavirus is stay home, stay safe. Stay home, stay safe. And you've started to see different ideas of how much information they know about you. They know who's breaking the law and who isn't. So I want to talk to you about some of these will be government-based and some of these will be private-based. But what happens if those start working together? Which is what Event 201 calls for. More public-private partnerships. More Google working with the government. More Apple working with the government. More YouTube working with the government. More Facebook working with the government. And everyone's going to see this potentially as this great thing. Oh, how awesome is it that we can all put our political difference aside? Donald Trump is president. Look at Mark Zuckerberg. Look at the head of Google. Look at, you know, all the different companies. Oh, it's great. It's a coming together. Bill Gates is there. This is why it should scare you. First off, I know we live in a world that's post-terrorism and post-9-11. But here's the first one that we have to start talking about. Do you know how many cameras is in America? Surveillance videos. And I don't mean, you know, the, the surveillance video on the your neighbor's footsteps. You know, on the doorbell. If, I, if you had to guess, how many do you think there are? Guess a number. I can pretty much guarantee you're nowhere close. There's 70 million cameras in America. And there's a plan by 2021 to increase them by another 85 So by the end of 2021, you'll have 155 million cameras. That is one camera for every 2.2 people in your country. Now let's put that into context. 
China has 350 million cameras. Is China someone you aspire to be when it comes to the surveillance state? Is that someone who you're like, oh, we got to be more like China, John, China, China. I know everyone loves talking, you know, because of Donald Trump, China. But is that someone you want to aspire to be? Is that someone you're like, hey, let's be like them. America first in surveillance cameras. Or is that a really bad thing? The problem with this is you're kind of going, well, John, look, we live in a, you know, you know, worlds that we can do stuff in. Do you know, because of technology, they can identify you now. There's this new technology, and I'm going to pronounce it wrong. It's GAIT, G-A-I-T. Do you know what this technology does? This technology through surveillance cameras can identify you by your walk. You know the old days where you have the surveillance? You know, if you ever watch CSI or, or Law and Order or any of these things where they have the surveillance camera, and there's always that image that they click on, they stop on, and it's the perp, you know, with the clear face shot. You know, where he's just looking right at the camera and they're like, gotcha. Don't need that anymore. In fact, you could be walking. You could know exactly where every surveillance camera is and walk in the exact opposite way. And all they would have of you is your back with your hood up and, you know, totally never see your face, never see any markings. No, like, you know, obvious tattoo markings on your arm or something like that. They could literally just see a big guy. Let's just use me as an example. Big guy wearing jeans and a hoodie. And you could go, I think that's John. But you never see my face. But now with this technology, they'll know by my walk. They may not be able to prove it 100%, because obviously maybe there's other people, bigger guys, who walk just like me. But they might be able to say, that's John. And that's the evidence that we have. But then when you go on to the the idea of your phone, your phone is an incredible piece of technology. You know, the idea, you know, the, the factually in your phone right now, you have access to more information than Bill Clinton had as president. Just think about that. That's an incredible achievement. That's an incredible advancement in what, 20 odd years? The idea that you have more access to more information in your pockets, not on a computer, in your phone. That little handheld device that we used to go, hi, how you doing? You want to go get some pizza? Oh, obviously, yes. The answer to that, anytime you want to say, you know, do you want to get some pizza? The answer is always yes. But you have more information than Bill Clinton did as president in 20 years. However, the problem with that is, is it gives off GPS information. Do you know that? Google actually now email me every month because I have to use Google Maps for my job because of the, the tablet. They email me to my work email. Hey, this is where you've been in the last month. They can tell you exactly what time I left my house. They can tell you exactly what time I was at certain places. They can say, hey, at 7.01, you left your house. At 7.13, you arrived at this location. Now, in the fairness, the problem with Google Maps is they haven't quite kept on is because a lot of the places that I work has a McDonald's. So it's like John stopped at McDonald's here and then, you know, at 8.13, went to McDonald's here. It's usually wrong because I never go to McDonald's. I know big guy doesn't work. But there's always malls around where I go, and McDonald's is always beside, and I'm going there for work. But it can tell you, you know, dead-on location where you were, to the exact pinpoint. It's not like, you know, roughly at 8, 7 o'clock you left your house. Nope, 701 you left. That's the time you got home at. Because we have all this information, because of the Fourth Amendment been totally violated by your government, where this idea that, you know, where people like me have been talking about, get a warrant for the FISA court. No, no, you don't need that. They have access to who you talk with. They have access to what you talk about, how you talk about. 
They have access to what your beliefs are. Are you a lefty? Are you a righty? Are you one of those tree huggers? Are you one of those freedom fighters? Who your friends are? They'll be able to know who your friends are better than how your who your how you know your friends because they'll be able to say, oh, oh, John phones them, you know, twice a week. John phones them twice a day. He clearly likes them more than them. Have all that information. They have access to what information or sorry, what products you buy. Again, this is all true privacy. This is all true, not true. The government. This is true individual. Let me give you an example to show you how powerful analytics are right now. I was watching a Ben Shapiro video. I think I've shared this story on the air. This really frightened me. I was watching a Ben Shapiro video giving a speech on YouTube. And it was a Q&A session, you know, when Young Americans for Liberty gives pre- uh, speeches there. And it was actually like a question and answer. It was like 15 minutes. And one of the questions was, if you could buy one book or recommend one book to a student to read on economics, what book would it be? And it was Henry Hazlitt's Economics in One Lesson. The minute I stopped watching that video, I went on to Google for something else, and then I went on to another website. All I got was ads for that book. That shows you the power. They have the power to influence you. Now, when you have a government that says, you know what, we have a right to get your data that you have on your phone, then you add that with the public sense of, hey, we have access to where you are, who you talk to, how often you talk to them, what your beliefs are, who your friends are. Then you have modern technology because, you know, it's so hard to enter in a pin. One, two, three, four. That's not my pin. But you know what? We need convenience. I'm going to give my fingerprint to the company. What I find hilarious about this is sometimes we don't actually even think about what we're doing. We just get so caught up in the convenience. Let me give you an example. If I walked up to you right now, and even though you know roughly who I am and who I'm connected to, and I said, you wouldn't do me a favor. I have this little black pad with ink. You wouldn't just put your thumb on it there for me, would you? And then you go, oh, okay, put your thumb on it. And you go, I just happen to have a piece of paper. I'm just going to put, you know, that thumb down on it. There you go. I, I just took your fingerprint. I, I just want that. Just, I don't know why. Just wanted it for kicks and giggles. I'm just going to put that in my filing cabinet. Just God forbid the day needs, I need your fingerprint. Would you consent to that or would you be like, hell no, hell no. Yet when it comes to Apple, absolutely bang, bing, bing. Just because I'm too lazy to go one, two, three, four to open my phone or to open my iPad. But now it's increased to let's take a picture. Imagine Mr. Apple. Imagine let's just make because everyone knows Steve Jobs, right? I, I know he's dead. But everyone knows who Steve Jobs is. Imagine Steve Jobs walked up to you and with a camera in his hand, just went, hey, you know I'm Steve Jobs, right? I just want to take your picture. Bing! And what are you going to do with it? I'm going to store it in my database, you know, just on the cloud. Would you be okay with that? Even though it's Steve Jobs, would you be okay with it? No, hell no. No, that's creepy. That's creepy Joe Biden. Joe Biden would do that, not just Steve Jobs. When it comes to face ID, absolutely. Bing, smile. Ding. Do we understand what we do? The information we give away about ourselves? Now, now when you go to Google, Google, and this is not me just saying this. This is actually, there was a, they, Google were asked to testify on December 11, 2018 in front of Congress. And in that testimony, a guy called Sundar Pichi, he's the head of Google, admitted in transcripts, Google has your name, your address, your age, what emails you send through their platform, your phone serial number, 
your Wi-Fi information, your phone conversations, your voice. <laughs> the French, French voice. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Google. <laughs> your search history. Because no one, you know, you know, John, what's your problem with your privacy? Look, if you're doing nothing wrong, you've got nothing to hide. Let me give you one thing. Because I do this show, I search for a load of stuff that I have no interest in. I've searched, let me give you an example. Like, you want to make the case of why this is dangerous? Let me give you some of the stuff I've Googled in the past. I have Googled ISIS. I have Googled information about terrorism. I've Googled information about ISIS terrorist and uh, punishment techniques. Remember when they were all cutting their heads off? I've watched all those videos. If you wanted to make a case against me, oh, look at John's search history. <laughs> not good, not good. He, he, he ISIS. Oh, and jo- oh, and John sometimes grows his beard. He definitely ISIS. Prosecute him. He also has your location data. I just told you about Google having sending that email. They don't even hide it anymore. We just go, oh, there's another email from Google telling us where you were this month. They have it all through the access through your phone. Are you okay with them having your phone serial number and your Wi-Fi and your phone conversations? Like, it's one thing for the government to have your phone conversations. But are you okay with Google having them? And again, if you're doing nothing wrong, what have you got to hide? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, don't want my conversations public. Is that such a wrong thing to say today? I just want my conversations private. That I don't want Google listening and I don't want the government listening. Now, can you imagine if those two merged on that point? I would ask you just to go one step further. Because I want to give you not just why I... This is not me just saying why this is bad. I want you to understand the power and the financial figure of the information you're giving your way. Google. With this race that's happening in technology between Tesla and other cars to be, you know, driverless cars. Why is Google getting involved in that race? What do you think Google has to offer when it comes to Tesla? Do you think there is a chance? Just be honest. Now, if there is, maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe get in touch with me on social media. Is there a chance Google has a sexier, sleeker, more attractive, more desirable car than Tesla? I don't see anyone having that car personally. You know, unless you're talking about like a classic, like, you know, a Lamborghini or Ferrari or, you know, a Porsche. Porsche. You know, some of those cars are Bentley. You know, I don't see, you know, the average driverless car for the the masses, quote unquote, been better than a Tesla. Even though I don't know if Tesla's a car for the average, you know, the average Joe blogs. I Forgive me, that's one thing I have on Google, the price of a Tesla. Maybe I should do that. But the idea, why would Google get involved in that space? Why? This is because they have the power of analytics. Because Google don't really care about the self-driving car. What they want, and they want you to drive their cars, is because let's say you take the average person who maybe has, what, 30, 40, 50 minutes drive to work every day, and then has 30, 40, 50 minutes drive home. And that's unless, unless you live in L.A., which is like two and a half hours. Maybe four hours. Maybe there are people still on the LA freeways trying to get to work. Imagine all that time in a driverless car. All those minutes, even 30 minutes. You have 30 minutes now that you didn't have before. 
What are you going to do? Now, there are some people who are going to go, oh, that'd be wonderful. I could get out of bed at like six in the morning, half asleep, put on some clothes, get some breakfast, even though I'm like not hungry, get in the car, press a button, and then fall asleep. There are those people. I'd probably be the first one. But there are also other people who will actually Google stuff. Oh, I look at the news. I wonder what's on today. And they find out even more about you. That shows you the power of the money of the information that you have. Your information. You are not worthless. They want to know absolutely everything about you. But also on that point, to show you the power of analytics. 2016, the election. A lot of people didn't pay attention to it. People are going on the phones. Hey, you know, how, who would you vote for? You know those tele- telemarketing calls you get? Hey, how happy are you at the rate of economy? One, two, three, four, five. Hey, who are you going to vote for? Joe Biden or Donald Trump? Does anyone ever answer those questions anymore? Does anyone even answer them honestly? Like last year, last election. Do you think people who voted for Donald Trump in like the swing states in Pennsylvania was like, yeah, I'm voting for Donald Trump? Or do you think they're like, I'm, I'm voting Hillary? I'm lying to you, but I'm voting Hillary. I'm definitely voting Donald Trump. The power of analytics is you don't need that anymore per se. You have it all in the thing. What are you researching? What's the likes? What are you liking on Facebook? What are you liking and getting involved in? What are you sharing? How passionate are you? That's where Donald Trump really won in 2016. That is the information that you are sharing through all of these companies. And that is why Google isn't getting involved in self-driving cars. You're letting a lot of information out there. The good thing about this and what we've spoken about to a large part is you can control it. You can stop using Google. Yes, I know they're the best, but you can stop using Google. You can stop using Google Maps. You can stop using Gmail. You can stop sharing stuff on Facebook. Stop, don't share this. Keep sharing this show, obviously. But, you know, other stuff. You can control it. Or you can keep going on the way you want to. On this part. But just know the price you are paying. As always, I'm on social media, Twitter, Freedom Disciple, Facebook, Jonathan, or Jonathan Dunn 58 or America's Favorite Irishman. Get in touch. I love engaging with you guys. The rest of this show, I want to talk to you about where public and private partnership is already starting to get involved. And the frightening thing is these are happening and have happened out of convenience, out of making things easier, advancing as society, quote unquote. And they have yet to see a major discussion about these. The aim of this show, I want to be crystal clear, is not to get you scared. I think there's a lot of fear-mongering out there. I see a lot of people, you know, talking about technology as a bad thing. Let me give you an example. I hold some cryptocurrency. It's one of my investments for my long, 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 long term. I will be a millionaire if, like, Bitcoin is ever worth, like, 10 billion. I, I hold a bit of it, but I find it fascinating. I find the, the idea of cryptocurrency fascinating in the sense that, firstly, the debate I used to have years and years ago about ending the Fed, cryptocurrency, I believe, will end the Federal Reserve. It won't happen anytime soon, but it will down the road. But also, there was this thing, this question of Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is basically a code, and you transact in these codes, basically in ones and zeros. 
And there was this phase of period of time where, because people know I have it, going, what are you worried about quantum computing? Quantum computing, in case you don't know, is this idea where the p- computer has so much power, it can solve equations in seconds. It has so much power. And Google have confirmed to have quantum computing. There's Google again. They, they seem to be a very common theme through this. And the fear-mongering is, no. Why do you always look to bad things? If technology can ruin things, it can also save things. This idea that, yeah, you've got quantum computing to solve the equations, therefore Bitcoin can be taken. Well, if you've got quantum computing to take it, why can't you have quantum computing to save it? I believe in the innovation. I believe in the individual. I believe in the individual genius. And where there's a demand, there will always be somewhere going, Hey, I think I can make a buck from this. I have this idea. Let's make Bitcoin quantum computing proof. Guess what's happening? That will happen. So don't always look at things from the bad side. Don't always look at it from, oh my God, the world is going to end. Look at it maybe as an opportunity. But I want to talk to you about the information that's out there. This is confirmed. The FBI. The FBI, baby currently use the database of the DMV for facial recognition. When was that ever debated? When was that ever discussed? Anyone know about it? Yeah, it happens. You also then have this, again, this whole team is public-private partnerships. A simple act that no one ever thinks about that happens online probably tens of thousands of times a day makes everyone's job easier for public-private partnerships to identify you. You know, someone who goes, hey, guess what? I was in a picture. I met John at a speech. I met John at a speech, and I put it up. And then you, you share it on your Facebook profile. Hey, look who I met. He really is as big as he looks. The camera isn't lying. He, you know, he adds a lot of, he has a lot of those 10 pounds. But you have then people kind of go, hey, you want to tag John? Hey, you want to tag you? You want to tag you? Hey, your son's in the picture. You want to tag you? And everyone goes, yeah, I'll just tag you. Everyone just thinks it's so simple. It's a way of getting, hey, Facebook exactly knows who you are. Facebook is tagging you. He's getting how you're changing. And then they're getting the timestamp. Hey, I met John on Saturday, the the 1st of August, 2019. That's what John looked like. That's John without a beard. And then they see a picture of me with a beard. Then they see me with hair. Actually, that won't happen. But without hair. They have all these different things as how you're evolving. Because some people use profile pictures that are maybe a year old or two years old or four years old. But when you tag people in pictures, hey, oh, that's what John looks like now. Save it in the file. But that's what we have. But you also then have this thing which has been, dis- which has been discussed. Not sorry, not discussed. It's actually been trialed right now in your country. This idea where, you know, it's so inconvenient for you to have a boarding pass. How awesome would it be, right? You know, if you just didn't have to have that piece of paper, didn't have to print it out, didn't have to hold on to it. Because let's be honest, it's such a damn burden to, you know, to hold that one piece of paper from when you get to the airport to all the way through security, through all the way to get on the plane, through all the way getting off the plane. You know, if you got to go through customs, through getting your luggage and getting, oh my God, that's so much hard work. You know what we'll do? What we'll do is we'll use your face as your boarding pass. This has happened, I think, in Atlanta and a few other airports. Has this ever been discussed? People are opting in, though, because, hey, it's convenient. Then you have aspects, which I think is potentially really cool, 
But again, Google's involved. It's not Google. It's a, a subsidiary of Google because it's not always Google Inc. everywhere. They buy all these companies and they do different things. But they're now talking about editing your genes. They are finding ways to cut and paste your DNA code. And again, this has been sold as a good thing. You know, can you imagine if we identified the cancer gene and then we just cut and pasted that out? You wouldn't get cancer. Problem solved. Do you trust Google with that information? Do you trust Google with your DNA? Now, again, this can be a good thing. I'm not, I'm not da- downing this as a bad thing. I do think there are certain ethics that we have to talk about. I do think there are certain morals that, you know, deserve discussion at a later date. You know, what happens, you know, if you don't have kids with Down syndrome? What happens if, you know, if no one has any obstacle to overcome? Is that potentially dangerous? And what happens if, you know, that DNA editing doesn't work? How, what does that impact on society? Do we all look down and, well, you know, you, even not even the editing equipment could save you. You're trash. Do we value that life? The reason I shared all of this information with you is because this is what the world potentially looks like after coronavirus. You know, the big headline is when you see this, and it it could potentially happen, the out of convenience where we're all shipped. Sorry, I won't be. Over my cold, dead body, will you chip me? But everyone always wants to talk about the chipping and all the information of, oh my God, how bad would that be and how dangerous would that be? Look at all the information we've spoke about today that the government has about you. And if public and private start getting and merging, and that you, that line becomes even more blurred between the government and public-private partnerships, if that line between Google and the government becomes even more blurred, if that line between Facebook and the government gets even more blurred, is that something you're comfortable with? These are things within your control. These are things that you can change. But also, these are things that need to be discussed. Because we need to start raising awareness of going, hey, these are things that are happening. Hey, why is America adding 85 more million more cameras? Hey, how about we have a discussion about that? Hey, you have an election going on right now. How about you get Donald Trump to talk about that? How about you ask Joe Biden about that? How about you ask Justin Amash that? How about there's a question? How about we start talking and sharing information with our friends about, hey, do you know how much information Google has about you? And I know I've mentioned Google a lot because they're easy to pick on everything I've said. But Apple's just the same. Apple, you know, your fingerprint and your face face ID. Apple has information about how you call people, how you talk to them, how long you talk to them, how often you communicate, what you say to them. And again, just let me give you one last example for you. Oh, John, you're only fear-mongering. You're only, you're only been, you know... You know, just look, if you've got nothing to hurt, you know, if you've got nothing to hide, what's the problem? Okay, let me give you an example. How easy is it to paint you in a picture that's not exactly true? How easy is it? Let me give you an example. There's a friend of mine who I talk to, and she's a lovely girl. She's married. And for as long as we've known each other, when someone, when I want something or when she wants something and because we talk about different things, you know, it's the typical guy thing, you know, uh, you know, it's, and I make it obvious and it just become a joke. It's a running joke. It's not between us, but it's about someone else. But I'll always message her going, Hey honey, how you doing? And she automatically knows what you want. She's not buying it. Now, can you imagine she's married? 
right? Her husband knows. Her husband is in on the joke, by the way, because he knows me and he knows the other person who were kind of mocking in it because it's a mock of someone else. But can you imagine if they twisted that and they found all our conversations kind of going, hey, you know what? John, you know, he calls your wife funny an awful lot. And, you know, he's messaged her, you know, different times because I'm in Ireland. She's in America. So I've kind of messaged her, you know, at five or six in the morning my time when I wake up because it's a conversation about stuff we need. You know, and that's, you know, sh- that's in the East Coast. That's 1 a.m. Why is, why is she, you know, why is a man messaging your wife? Now, he wouldn't buy it because he knows, again, he knows me and he knows the people involved. But can you imagine how easily that would be twisted? I'm using that as an example about me. What conversations do you have? Who are you really nice to? Because guys all do this. You know, guys always have this, you know, the certain people who, even if there's no chance in hell that would happen, you you kind of innocently flirt with them. Hey, how you doing, honey? Because that's what we're mocking, by the way. There's just someone involved in the, you know, in the quote unquote relationship that uses it. You know, he's, you know, he wouldn't, he'd blank you one minute and then all of a sudden, you know, hey, you need something. Hey, how you doing, honey? I need something. And it's, it's an ongoing joke, which you guys don't need to know. But how easily could you twist that? How easily could you twist that to make you look bad? To get you to a point where like you're, uh oh, uh, is there something there? I never thought John would happen, but maybe there is something I need to be worried about. Hey, you need to stop talking to him so much. Now, how would you twist that? How how many people do you interact with at the gym, at work? Do you have a work wife, quote unquote, or a work husband? That if you had all that information going, you know, yeah, it's a, you know, yeah, they have their work partner. And then all of a sudden, they, you see the transcripts of how often they talk and how nice they are to each other. And then they start meeting for lunch. Is jealousy going to kick in at any point in time? Or if you wanted to make the case of, hey, I, they got a promotion and I didn't. And even though it was justified, they are better at the job than me. Hey, they talk an awful lot. I think I, they didn't give the job to them on their merit. They gave the job to them because look at them. Look at how they act. Oh, my God. Look at all those transcripts. Look at all the messaging they do. Of course, they they got the job because they're friendlier. They have an in that I don't have. That's not fair. It doesn't always have to be malice. It doesn't always have to be you've something to hide. It can be simply a case of you just don't want information about your life out there. Is that such a radical, crazy thing? Our world is changing right now, whether you like to admit it or not. The facts are indisputable. The one thing we need to do is, yes, as I said earlier on, go talk about your politics and your elections, and Irish people and English people should talk about their elections, but we need to start having honest conversations about principles. Because our world has changed so much, whether you like it or not, the facts are undeniable. You now have public partnerships been talked about. We just spoke about all those issues, but now I just want to spend two minutes talking to you about the economy. Guys, this is not an attack on Donald Trump or anyone. This is fact. Your debt passed $25 trillion this week. It added $1 trillion in less than a month. At some point, things are going to fall. We need to start having conversations about the economy because, and I'm going to just give you a couple of preface of what's going to come, and we're going to talk about these on later shows. But we have a situation right now 
where things are so bad and your debt is so bad that if inflation starts going up, which it will, you're going to see a period of deflation where your dollar buys more to rapid inflation. You're going to start seeing a war on cash. You're going to start seeing a war on savings. And I just want to give you a couple of bullet points to think about, to stew on, to think about what happens if these things start happening. We already see a war on cash. You want my proof of this? Go to your bank and go, hey, I want to take out $10,000. Now, that's on the preface that you have 10000 in it. You got to fill in all the forms. Well, you know, gee, I, 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 I don't know if we can get you $10,000 in cash. You know, we, uh, you know, gee, you're going to have to wait for that. Come back next month after you fill in all the forms. Now, can you imagine if your economy starts to really get bad and your debt keeps going up? Let me give you some examples. Let's say you live a reasonable life and you actually have money in the bank. What's going to happen? Are you going to be allowed to keep that money? Are you going to wake up one day because the economy is so bad and say, you know what? I have 5,000 in the bank. It's now four. I have 10. It's now eight. You get a haircut. Can you imagine the civil unrest that's going to cause? And for those who think this won't happen in America, it's happened elsewhere. The precedent has been set. You live in a global financial system. Are you really telling me if the, the House wouldn't take that money if it was really desperate enough? That the Senate wouldn't pass that bill? Do you really have that much faith in Congress? Let me give you another example. How about a bank holiday? You just don't have access to your cash for 48, 72 hours. Would you rule that out happening in your country? Would you rule out having limits on the amount of money you can take out in the ATM? Because there is a problem with your money supply right now. You can't keep printing money fast enough. And people are starting to hoard cash. So the money supply does have problems. We'll talk about that later on in another show. But can you realistically say, you know what? You can only have $50 a day. And again, think about the civil unrest in America. But here's where I want to finish the last point, which I think is going to happen. And you could easily happen under the guise of doing good things. Because you can be sold a line through propaganda. And yes, it is propaganda. Stay safe. Stay home. It's propaganda. You know what we have? We have an economy that's reopening. We need people to spend money. Remember George Bush? We all just need to keep spending like, you know, nothing happens. That's what he said after 9-11. Just get back to spending money. Go on and bet your life is normal. Could you have a, see a situation where, you know what, we need to stimulate this economy. We need to create jobs. You know what's happening? Those people who have savings accounts, they're selfish. You know what we're going to do? You have to spend 20%, 30% of your savings or you lose it. Because it's for the public good. It's to stimulate the economy. Why are you hoarding this money? You're just selfish. Could you see that happening in your country? These are the things we need to start discussing, guys and girls and ladies and germs. These are the things we need to start discussing. And we will be doing that on this show and on future shows going forward. Because we need to understand the answer to every problem we face. The individual liberty of mankind. The rights and responsibilities that each of us have. And we need to start and stop thinking about convenience. We need to actually have a conversation about going, hey, whoa, 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 slow your roll there, honey. 
Let's just talk about this for a few minutes, shall we? Let's think about the consequences. But also, if you're worried about public-private partnerships, just get off all those platforms that you don't like. Get off Facebook if you don't like it. Get off Twitter if you don't like it. Stop using Google if you don't like it. You have the power in your hands. The question is, have you got the time to act and to shut down those accounts and to find other accounts? But also on the economy, be very watchful of what's going to come out from all sides. Because people are going to try and stimulate this economy. And the simple answer is, government is the problem, not the solution. The solution, and maybe I'm wrong if you disagree with me, that's cool. But I will always be the person that says, the solution to the economy is get government out of the way and let the individual genius of man solve the problems. I hope this show has given you something to think about. I hope you consider sharing it with your family and your friends if they you know, need to know about their technology imprints. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, we salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, we salute you, the American people. Never, ever forget, America is great because Americans are good, baby. Yeah. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.